It's time for episode 375 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the monolithic tech podcast that pops up where you least <laughs> expect it. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my co-host and dungeon buddy, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm delightful after that intro. That was a great one. I don't know if uh, the, the live stream heard that chuckle, but that was not a an acting chuckle. That was very real. Um, because I assume all your chuckles at my intros are real. Is that not true? Am uh, I learning this just now? 97% of them are very real. I will let all you right. decide what 3% were fake. Fine. <laughs> Fine. All right. Well, good news is if Micah's chuckles are fake, we have people here to give us real chuckles. Our guest this week to my left, it's Washington Post technology reporter and my former colleague at Macworld, Heather Kelly. Welcome back, Heather. Thanks for having me. And to my left, it is the chief emoji officer. It's Jeremy Birch. Hello, Jeremy. And it's lovely to be back. Feels like it's been who knows how long, but but, uh, good to be here. We can't measure time anymore. It's fine. Uh, we've got, but we've got just half an hour, which is the time that we can measure. And I'm going to kick things off. Salesforce bought Slack for almost $28 billion. And, uh, you know, Slack, I think, has become about so much more than just business. Like, it is a very popular online community tool. And so I'm curious to know how, if at all, you think this acquisition might change Slack and the way that many of us use it. Heather? I don't think Salesforce is stupid necessarily. I don't think they're going to go and change something that is beloved um, by a bunch of people trying to pretend they're not actually just working 24 hours a day. (laughs) I I don't know. But um, I do think so. I was always really excited about the non-work ways it was being used, like the different communities popping up on there, sort of an alternative to Facebook groups. And I, I had a dream of it maybe becoming a kind of social network. And I'm pretty sure that is not something that would ever happen under Salesforce, which nobody really knows what they do, but we do know it's only related to work. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Nobody really knows what they do. Yeah, to this day, I'm still going, so what is Salesforce exactly? Um, My concern, because I agree with Heather, I think that uh, they would be very ridiculous uh, and, and wrong in trying to change Slack too much. Um, you know, for one, lots of people have used it as their sort of personal social media networks. But for two, because of the uh, global pandemic, it has grown even more with more people making use of this tool as a way to stay in touch. I think what could change if Salesforce, which, you know, clearly is, uh, it's like a, a, I just see this old white guy with uh, money signs in his eyes is what Salesforce represents in my head. And uh, so that's, that's Monopoly. Micah. Oh, Monopoly. darn it. Um, well, the Monopoly guy who is obviously the CEO of Salesforce, um, he is sort of going, Ha-ha! and that means please make more money off of Slack. And that means that I could see the free tiers changing in the future. So that's my one concern about how Slack might be affected in the future. Jeremy, what about you uh i i'm always baffled by big companies i don't understand how they get anything done i've I've been inside some big companies before and 
Oh my, I mean, I know everyone means well, and, and Heather, you sort of work for a big company, not to say you don't, but like, I don't know how the ins and outs of your day work, but yeah, I mean, everything about enterprise, I don't understand, I'm scared of enterprise software, <laughs> the whole the whole thing doesn't make any sense to me, but I get that a lot of people rely on it, and they do good things, and they manage to get stuff done, so... I don't know. I guess I'm just glad that I don't use anything sales forcey because every time a big company takes over a new product, you know how you get like Skype and Skype for business and your Microsoft account and you have all the, the multi account thing. And then Google, I've got like multiple accounts and I never reconcile what's going on. I never figure it out. So the very least, if Slack happens to do something, it's not going to interfere with any. Salesforce thing I do. So good luck to them, but I'll just move. <laughs> if, if it ends up being awful, I'll just go to something else because, you know, we've got a small team that uses Slack and I'm more than happy to move on. Sorry, Slack, no loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, that's that's vicious. I'm, I'm with Jeremy, though. I'm scared of everything enterprise related that's not on Star Trek. And I think that I have... I, I really like Slack. I've really grown to embrace it as part of my daily sort of um, interaction with people, especially in the pandemic, but even before so. Uh, and what I think is fascinating is that of the dozen probably Slacks that I've been in at various points, literally one of them is on a paid plan, <laughs> which tells you a little something, I think, about how that gets used in certain circles. Now, I'm sure that it makes plenty of money in cases where they do use it as sort of the teamware for the the enterprise level companies. And so that's a revenue source that's clearly Salesforce feels positively about. But I also worry that it will lose a little bit of something when it comes to the way that it's been treated as sort of a, a quasi social network for a lot of us. But let's be honest, Slack, not a terribly complicated piece of technology either. So it kind of feels like, should it fall by the wayside, we'll find something else to sort of pick that up uh, where it left off. But thanks for all your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Heather. All right, I'm feeling festive. Um, So holiday shopping is a little weird this year for multiple reasons. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of delays in shipments uh, coming to and fro. Uh, Amazon's logistics situation is now as big as the postal office, so it almost just makes sense to use them. Um, and then small businesses, of course, are all, all struggling. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, what what's the best thing I can do to buy people gifts? Should I buy them something and then mail it myself? Are there any good tools for shopping locally that don't make me feel just, just kind of gross? Um, Anyways, I was, this is genuinely a call for help. Like, are there any like good technologies for, for buying locally or from small businesses? Um, and then bonus question is what are you getting me for Christmas? <laughs> um, so firstly, I would say that you can't, or, or that, that I have not seen anyone go wrong by making use of Etsy. Um, Etsy, of course, is while it itself is a bigger business, you are supporting individual small businesses. Um, and l- oftentimes it's these really delightful homemade, uh, gifts. So ordering those, um, of course, it's going to be a bit of a struggle if they're using the postal service, but, um, I've had good uh, history with ordering something from there and then putting in the address of the person to whom I want the item delivered. And, and this is not an ad, and I don't know that this has ever been a sponsor of uh, Clockwise, but stamps.com is something that I've actually found to be quite helpful. Uh, even in the few shipments that I make in a given year, um, I live 
uh, far away from any of my family and uh, many of my friends. And so in any time where I've needed to make a shipment, it was a lot easier and quicker to use stamps.com. Um, as for what I'm getting you, um, perhaps I will send you the, the phone number and a coupon to a spider elimination service because <laughs> I feel for you and your family as you deal with Christmas tree spiders. Uh, Jeremy, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I'd like to start with, with the more important question. What am I getting, Heather? Um, very relevant to the whole audience, very broad. Uh, <laughs> I feel <laughs> everyone would be very keen to know. I think Heather, for you, any any tweets that aren't getting enough love in 2021, I'll give you a, a bit of a like. I'll keep a bit of an eye out for them. And if there's something that looks oh, a bit wow. golden, I think that hasn't done well enough. Just a like, maybe a retweet, maybe one or two, but just a like, just a little algorithm booster. What do you think about that? A real influencer, just for me. I love it. <laughs> um, and as for me, oh, you, you're all gonna hate me for this because my biggest tip ever is just get all your christmas stuff done before the month reaches december living on a boat everything is very slow as well so i need to plan ahead when i'm going to be in a town in the first place so for me november is christmas month to get things to either if it is amazon get it to an amazon locker somewhere because they get busy uh, in december Local stores, fine. I do like to wrap my own things. It makes it feel like like wrap it and send it in the post makes it feel like even if the present isn't always amazing, it feels like there's some effort there. And um, one other thing that I've been doing of in recent years, kind of like Etsy, but jump onto sites like Fiverr, which the, isn't just a Fiverr anymore. You pay any amount of money you want, but you can get people to do some nice art for you, which is quite pleasant. So if there's like a portrait or something you want, you can browse all kinds of people and get something printed in some way and mail it off. But again, the key being... Do it in November. Do it time travel to last month. Do it then. Mm -hmm. It's much less stressful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just a uh, little tip. <laughs> guess we shouldn't have asked the guy on a boat about shipping. Huh? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> uh, very good. Oh, well done. Uh, I, I, have, I saved my time. My advice is all useless because my advice is that I end up just buying everything off Amazon. <laughs> I'm a bad person. Uh, the convenience is so overwhelming. I would like to frequent local stores. And I, you know, in a non-pandemic year, I probably would be spending more time browsing at, like, say, a bookstore rather than ordering stuff on Amazon. And I love my local bookstore. I try to support them when I can. But honestly, as I was ordering, like, a bunch of stuff, the 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 ease of ordering a bulk of things off Amazon just makes life easier. That said, uh, I'm still on the lookout for a couple of gifts because I did not follow Jeremy's advice and I'm still stuck in December and I'm still looking for a few last minute gifts for people in the family. But with everybody kind of, you know, far flung this year, um, shipping definitely becomes an issue. So uh, Mike, that's a good stamps.com tip. I like that. Uh, I often just go and drop stuff off at the post office too, uh, which is pretty efficient in a lot of cases, but you got to plan ahead. Um, so yeah, I, I'm afraid I don't have great advice for shopping local, though. I think our, our fellow guests have come up with some good ones and Heather, I was thinking, what do you get the person who has everything? And I thought, uh, a mug with a picture of both of us on it. And then I thought I already have one of those and I know you do too, I think. So <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I literally do not. And that sounds very exciting to me. So we'll talk later. All right, me. Huh? So this is, this is a terrible thing I do. <clears throat> and it's not because I work for a company that's owned um, by Amazon CEO, Jeff Bezos. I will order my gifts on Amazon sometimes and have them sent to my house so that I can rewrap them and send them <laughs> out and make it seem like I care a little more. Um, <laughs> 
Sometimes I tell myself that Target is better than Amazon for literally no reason whatsoever. So I'll just, I'll just order from Target and do the same thing. Um, and then one thing I've been doing lately is I'll find the local stores that have, they use like book, bookshop.org, um, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. to fulfill their orders. And that's actually like one of the best ways I found to shop from local bookstores. Uh, and then everybody's just, everybody's just going to get a book basically. Mm, and that's, that's Easy my plan. To I, too. I love the Etsy idea. That's great. And I'm going to check out some art on Fiverr. It sounds like it might be terrible art, which is something I really enjoy. So I'm going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. But there's one more thing that I want to give everybody, which is a release from guilt is what I'm getting all of you. Uh, We're in the middle of a global pandemic. And if you have to order from Amazon last minute, then by golly, you're still getting someone a gift whenever financial situations are not great. Um, love yourself and spread the love and we're all just going to be happy and, and healthy as much as we can be. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's the best gift ever. Yay. Now a release from guilt has happened. We can smile. Get ahead of your productivity for the new year eh? with the power of text expander. Text expander removes the repetition out of work so you can focus on what matters most. You can say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and messaging errors, trying to remember the right thing to say. You don't have to worry about any of that. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste. It's better than scripts and templates because Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Uh, I used to be a writer for a living. And during that time, Text Expander was my absolute bestest, bestest pal. Um, and even more so, as little gifts at the end of the year, I would hand out little Text Expander snippets to my colleagues who would use them uh, for the tools that we used. But even now, uh, as someone who spends most of my time in a given week uh, being in front of a camera and talking into a microphone, I still have tasks that involve writing. And you'd better believe I've set up text expander snippets for those tasks. I am constantly using this. And what's interesting about text expander is you really have to just get it and try it to understand it. But once you do, I swear you're going to love it. And you're going to be like, what? How did I never not use this thing all the time? I've got so many muscle memory uh, snippets built into my fingers, where I will just kind of I could do them without even thinking about it. And it's just so easy. So nice. Uh, Text expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. So take your time back in the new year and increase your productivity with Text Expander. And by the way, as a listener of this show, you get 20% off for your first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. Go there now. You're not going to regret it. Our thanks to Text Expander and the incredible Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. Alrighty, Micah, what is your topic for us? Oh, God, that's me. Um, so Wise came out with a new $20 smartwatch. And, you know, Wise has come out with quite a few products that are inexpensive, um, but on the whole have been very good. So it had me wondering, what is the last inexpensive gadget you purchased that you were either delightfully surprised or even if you weren't surprised, you're just like, oh, this is great. This works. And it's it didn't cost me an arm and a leg. Jeremy, we'll start with you. I, I was struggling to think because often 
maybe like a lot of us, I'll try and get the good thing and hopefully have it die less often than get the cheap thing and, and maybe have it fall apart. But one thing I did get uh, recently, which was quite cheap, I think it was around 20-ish pounds, was, uh, so you know, 25 US dollars-ish. Um, it's a little charger for my MacBook and everything that's like a cigarette lighter style, so it fits into your car and boat, but it charges everything really well. It's really small, and you'd think, how does that charge a MacBook just off your cigarette lighter socket and or an iPad or anything with USB-C? And it does, and it works just fine in a car or anywhere with one of those sockets, and it's very compact, and you'd think you'd think it's not possible, but it is. So if anyone out there is on a, a, a road trip, maybe more in 2021, but long hours on the car or something, and you need to charge your MacBook, I can confirm those things. And there's a lot of brands, and most of them seem to, as far as I can tell, work pretty well. Uh, I've got two things. Um, the first is I was in the market for a long time for a security camera, a wireless security camera, and I tried multiple different cameras and they were expensive and I had frustrations with them. And then a friend recommended to me the Wise, if we were talking about Wise, the Wise Outdoor Cam, which just came out. And it's like 50 bucks for a wireless uh, battery operated security camera that you can mount sort of anywhere and I thought to myself, well, for 50 bucks, you know, instead of the multiple hundreds of dollars I was paying for other sets, I will totally give that a try. And it works pretty well. I was surprised and delighted with how simple the setup was, how, like, reliable it seemed to have been so far. Um, it's maybe not the most aesthetically pleasing one. It's, like, basically just a box. Um, but it, it functions. And, you know, that, that's that got a lot going for it when the competitors are oftentimes, oftentimes multiples of that price. So, um, yeah, I've been impressed with what Wise has done with a lot of its products. It's, we were just talking about this the other day on another podcast. Like, they, they seem to have found this interesting niche of of building cheaper but effective like gadgets maybe they're not like you know the most high end but they they kind of get the job done uh and then a, a quick one i'll throw in which is sort of a quasi tech thing last year for christmas uh, i got myself and my wife both these little uh, gerber shard keychain tools which are like little multi-tools that fit on your keychain because i used to carry a pocket knife around and you can't really do that effectively when we used to actually fly in planes, but this is an airplane safe one that has like a couple screwdrivers and a bottle opener and all that stuff on it. And it's, you know, six or seven bucks. And for me, that was quite a deal. And I ended up using the screwdriver cons- like just all the time, basically, because I always wish that I had one on me. So that was a pretty good buy. Heather, what about you? I, I'm like racking my brain here because I haven't bought much lately. Like I bought a bunch of air filters because we can't breathe in California. Um, but I think the cheapest thing was so cheap, it was probably free. It probably just came with some other Amazon product. And it's a little version of Alexa that plugs directly into the wall. Mm. And it's genius because I can just give it to my children and make them go away into a different room, <laughs> any room they want, <laughs> shut the door, and then listen to like, I don't know, right now it's the Jingle Jangle soundtrack, whatever it is. It's always terrible. Um <laughs> They like podcasts too. Those are cool. Aww. And then they can just, I can unplug it at night because once they said a bunch of alarms that went off at 3 a.m. So oh I've learned that God. trick. But um, yeah, that's that's been a real lifesaver during the pandemic. I like that little thing. Uh, I wonder if it's the flex. Um, if it plugs directly into the wall. Uh, uh, yeah, that that's probably right. flex. Um, so that, interestingly, I wanted to mention another Amazon product. Um, there was a deal recently on the Amazon smart plug where I was able to get it for $4.99. Um, normally I would not purchase a anything smart home that cost only $4.99. Um, but 
even at its highest price, it's only $25, which is, again, less expensive than a lot of other products uh, for the smart home. And the reason why I normally would not make those purchases is because uh, connectivity tends to be an issue the less expensive you go. Let us move to our last topic, which comes from Jeremy. Hey, so remember 10, 15 years ago, I guess, when after a night out, everyone would post like, 90 photos to Facebook in an album to be like, here was our one night out. And, uh, and that would happen every week or whatever. And maybe part of it's, you know, we're, we're a different age now and gone through MySpace and Facebook. But I'm wondering, like, what's the, what's the consensus now on how much to put out there publicly? How much that you just sort of save for a little artsy photo on Instagram or something or how much you sort of think it's, uh, good to use all the different the different privacy tools or even just which platform you're on. I don't know. It's a mess. Is there any is there any consensus on what to do with all this? This is a judgment free zone, but I want to hear your thoughts. Starting with Dan, I don't know about consensus, but I, I've definitely dialed back. I mean, it, I, I think in part like just the self consciousness of even before this year, feeling like posting pictures of things that were boring, and so I would be like really choosy when it came to the things that I put, especially on Instagram where, you know, the photo is the thing, right? And it's like, well, I'm going to be very particular about what I actually post on there. And then some of it is also just like the the posting privacy implications, right? Like we've all seen so much more in the past few years about how much people can learn from what you post, right? Even things that you think are relatively innocuous. And so, you know, if I take pictures with my family uh, or I take pictures with friends, I think a lot of times now I always think twice because it's like I don't want to post people's pictures without their permission or, you know, if I'm hanging out with my friends and their kids, it's like, well, I'm not going to post pictures of their kids, obviously. And so I I find myself just thinking a lot harder. And a lot of times that yields like I'm just not going to post anything and I won't worry about it. So I I, and on Twitter, I still post some stuff, but I find I've posted less photos there than I used to. So I don't. I guess I don't really know what I'm doing with all these pictures that I am taking. <laughs> I guess I just text them to people. It's it's like a really really personal social network. Is that what this is? So, yeah, I don't I don't know if that's what everybody's doing, but that's what I'm doing. Heather, what about you? I think about like when we did used to do that, we'd put everything on Facebook, um, and I'm really embarrassed by it, uh, and that's fun. I don't put any pictures on Twitter if I can avoid it because I mean it's just a hell site and it's never going to be used for good. Um, I do put a lot on Instagram, but I mostly just do Instagram stories since I become a parent because there's there's like no little trail that's going to haunt them into adulthood. Um, I mean, they're cute now, but like if they're teenagers <laughs> and I post something embarrassing, you know, maybe they might know. So I just make everything a story because it, it sort of auto deletes. Um, my one regret is that I, I did post an entire Instagram story about spiders in my Christmas tree. And I feel like now that it's expired, maybe I should tweet it as some sort of public service announcement. Yes. Um, but also mostly I'm just on these sites to look at Jeremy's content. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that there's consensus per se, uh, but it is certainly something where, yeah, that perfection that you desire uh, plays a role. And I think right now, a lot of people I see every time in the comments, there's um, usually in parentheses, some sort of assurance that there was uh, social distancing involved, or they, they have to like, write out their whole explanation for how they were doing things safely. And for me, that is that requires so much cognitive load that there's no there's almost been no chance that I will post a photo of 
more than just either my dogs or me in it because I just don't even like it's it seems exhausting to have to explain but I also know that I wouldn't want to not explain if I was in that situation so I think that that plays a role right now in people posting photos uh that involve other people ah so so many trains of thought coming out that um to, to begin with, I guess something about a good comment from you, Micah, about 2020 and distancing and, and just the, the hassle of people, you know, if there is a photo that looks like it could be something and having to explain it, I think it's a good insight maybe for men on women's experience on the internet in general, where they put up anything and have to put 10 disclaimers, lest the men come and, um, pick apart their photo or whatever it is. So. I've also posted fewer photos this year. Not that I've seen particularly many people anyway, but anything that you just think needs an extra explanation, just skip it. Not worth it. Um, you also reminded me of the fact that when you mentioned about being younger and sort of having these photos, you'd sit around with your friends. I only just remembered that in 1999, I was the first person at my high school with a digital camera. And so exactly that, the camera would go around to a party and there was no Facebook or MySpace, so I'd upload it to my own website. And it was banned from every school in the area because every school in the area, everyone would just go there to look at the photos of the parties and used up too much bandwidth, apparently. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's complicated. What do you do now? I'm not sure. I don't have a good system. I just post more on Instagram because I have fewer followers there, so it feels safer, I guess. And... On TikTok, which somehow I've now got nearly a hundred thousand people following me, and I post less because I'm intimidated by people and comments. So <laughs> I just go back to where I seem to know uh, who who's who, which is Instagram for me, my safer place. I go to Instagram for Jeremy's boat content. I just want to be clear, uh, and Heather's spider content. That's like ninety percent of it for me. So. All right, we've got just enough time for a bonus topic. But first, I want to tell you that this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Woven, the all-in-one calendar, perfect for busy people. Look, I know it feels like we're all in this weird void where we don't have plans, but then all of a sudden you realize, oh, no, I've got to Zoom with this person. I've got to record a podcast at this time, and somehow I've still got to like get to the grocery store. And so getting disorganized like that, it can still make you a little bananas. And so it's important to have a great calendar that helps you keep track of when you have to do all these various things for work, for your personal life, what have you. It's important for your workflow. Woven syncs all of your calendars in one place, including your Google, G Suite, and Microsoft 365 accounts, so you can see all of your time, both personal and professional. They build scheduling links directly into your calendar, so you can use one-off scheduling links. You can quickly time block your week using Woven Smart Templates, so you can plan it out perfectly. Woven also has built-in analytics, so you can easily calculate where you spend your time, and you can make time for what matters the most. You really need to check this out. Take control of your calendar and improve your workflow. And as a listener of this show, you can try Woven free for 21 days. Go to woven.com or click the link in the show notes. That's woven.com. Our thanks to Woven for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, bonus topic. It is the holiday season. It's in full force now. So my question for you is in the next month or so, do you have a favorite holiday song, Heather? I'm glad I get to go first because I'm just assuming it's everybody's and you're totally going to prove me wrong. Um, it's All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. It's like the only holiday song at this point. That is so wrong. That is just the wrongest <laughs> thing anyone has ever I love wronged. this. Um, the, the, the song for me, it's the Christmas song as sung by Nat King Cole. I just, oh, I could play that nonstop throughout my house and it would just bring such warmth and the smell of cinnamon to the house. 
Uh, I was about to say I don't have one, but I I feel like when you're in the UK and you've got a, a little choirs with kids singing and everything, most years anyway, uh, when they sing, I don't know whether you have this over there, is Ding Dong Merrily on High. It's very cute and they all, uh, if not, it's very it's very British and quite festive and sounds nice when lots of children sing it. I'm looking it it's up. Uh, I feel that I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. I, I love myself the Carol of the Bells. I know it's annoying, but it's got that minor key thing going on. I enjoy a good minor key Christmas song. So now we've made a playlist for you, everybody out there. Go add those and, and enjoy your holiday. And we've reached the end of the show as well, which means all we have to do is thank our fantastic guest this week. Heather Kelly, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, as always. And Jeremy Burge, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me back. Till next year, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Micah, that wraps up the show for this week. We'll be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.